Good morning, everyone. The next uh, reading is from 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. <clears throat> 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lo lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the lo love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Pete. Let's uh, stay there in 1 John 4, our last week uh, in this series on uh, the wondrous cross, the cross of Christ. Let me pray and we'll ask God to be with us. Our Father, please be with us now in these short moments as we consider once again the wondrous cross upon which the Prince of Glory died, that we might behold your amazing love, that we wouldn't just behold it, that we would receive it, and that we therefore would want to share it with those around us. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, as Yvonne has already said, if you've ever done the dishes with Brian in the kitchen, you'd know his favourite song. I won't sing it. <laughs> I want to know what love is, and don't we all? Right? That's a longing that you can't separate from being a human. I want to know what love is. And the reason that there are so many songs about it and there are so many angsty questions about the issue, there's so much disappointment attached to it and confusion 
surrounding it is because so often we look and we long for love in so many failed and failing places, in so many distorted and dissatisfying ways. And the reason is because we look for love untethered from the origin of love and the grounds of love. And this morning I want to take us back to the origin of love and the grounds of love in order that we might know what love is and in order that the love of Jesus at the cross might be our supreme example that not only we look to but we're driven by and energised in as a church family. As we ask the question... As we make the statement, I guess, that we want to know what love is, we look again to the wondrous cross where Jesus died for us. If you've been here week on week, the last couple of months, we've seen that Jesus dies in our place, that he bears God's wrath, that he clears our conscience, that he sets us free, that he brings us back and he defeats our enemies. And I'm hoping that as we come to the end of this series that you are saying with the Apostle Paul that you resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified because it's at the cross that we see the wisdom and the power of God and so the only boast that we can possibly have in all the world is the cross of our Saviour King. I tell you, sometimes my planning is clear and thought out, very rarely. Sometimes God is kind and providential and gets in my way. And other times he lets me crash into the wall and drop everything on on the floor. But there has been a logic to the last eight weeks. The example of the cross has been left to the very end very deliberately because the example of the cross is something that you need to be need to experience, not simply observe. The Bible continually gives us the logic that we serve Jesus only because we've been served by Jesus. The Bible continually tells us that we forgive people in our lives just as the Lord forgave us. We are gracious to other people because we've experienced the amazing grace of God. We reconcile relationships because we've been reconciled to our Heavenly Father through the cross of Christ. Do you see how it works? We love because He first loved us. For many, the impact of the cross begins and ends only with the example to follow, Isn't that a great picture of love and sacrifice that we see in Jesus? Now I'm going to go and give it a crack. But the Bible, verse after verse, and chapter after chapter, and story after story, says you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give to others what you haven't first received from God, and so you receive the love of the cross before you give the love of the cross. You need to be changed by the love of the cross if you want to reflect the love of the cross to the world. We love because he 
first loved us. And so the three things I want us to see from 1 John chapter 4 is that love originates in God, that love is grounded at the cross, and that love is to be completed in the church. This is the eternal loving loop that God has given us. It begins with Him. It's grounded in the cross. It's completed in the church. Have a look at verses 7 and 8 where we see that love originates in God. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love is the chief manifestation of those born of God because God himself is love. And on the flip side, if you don't love, then clearly you don't know God because God is love. It's an extraordinary statement, isn't it? It's said so many times. Even for those people who maybe have never darkened the door of a church, they might say about the God of the Bible, he's a God of love. I've heard that at least. But this is an extraordinary thing to say. Because it doesn't just say that God does loving things. It says that he is love in and of himself. The very definition of love. Everything he does is love because love is who he is. Love isn't the result of God's creating activity. He creates because of love. Love isn't the opposite of his judgment. He's just because he is love. Love isn't the consequence of the cross, but its motivation. God so loved that he gave his one and only son. And so knowledge of God, the Apostle says, a relationship with God will be defined vertically and horizontally, vertically and horizontally, by love. Love for God and necessarily love for other people, especially in the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ in order that the church might be a community of love that truly, if not imperfectly, reflects the love of God to the world. Both of those things need to be there in your relationship with God. Love for Him and love for one another. And when the Apostle is talking about loving one another because you love God and because he has loved us. This is not a generic thing. This is not a pop song kind of love. This is not a picture of every time you see love, you see God. But loving in the way that God loves. Love that derives its origin from him, that takes God as its lead and its, its example and its motivation, and its power. It's a very specific kind of love, a love that has texture to it. It's personal. It's deep. It has meaning and shape. It has its particular flavour 
if you like. That's the kind of love, it's the God kind of love that's meant to be reflected in our love for one another. The love that's defined by Him and demonstrated by Him. And so we can set aside some of those ideas that love is simply following whatever moves your heart. Or that love is simply the chemical reactions of your brain. Or love is whatever you decide you want it to be. Now the Bible says that when it comes to love, there is an objective reference point for what love is and what it looks like and what it requires of us. It's not simply what warms your heart or moves your heart. Though God's love will definitely warm your heart. And God's love will definitely move your heart. No, this is love, John says in verse 10. This is love. And so love originates in God, but secondly, love is grounded in the cross. Have a look at verse 9. This is how God showed his his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God is love. That kind of platitude that you could easily put on a bumper sticker and that millions of people are happy to applaud and assent to and nod their heads in agreement to, that's not an empty platitude. It's not simply a theological statement to reflect on. God is love is a historical reality as well as a theological reality. Because God showed his love. He made his love visible. It's not some abstract quality in God, but a historical reality. That God's love became visible in the person of his one and only Son, whom he sent into the world, that we might live through Him. God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 tells us. And you can hear in verse 9, can't you, the Apostle John kind of imbibing his own uh, gospel account of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. You can hear John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's a wonderful gift, isn't it? The atoning sacrifice for our sins, that his death makes it possible for us to be at one with God again. And what makes this sacrificial love the love of the Lord Jesus seen at the cross as our atoning sacrifice. What makes his love so amazing is just how gracious it truly is. That it is completely undeserved. It is love to the loveless shown. It's not love to the lovable. It's not love for those who love me. 
It's love for enemies. It's undeserved love. It's other person-centered love. And so it's totally gracious. We've done nothing to earn it. We've done nothing to achieve it. In fact, what we've done means we deserve his death. But instead, he gives us his life. Amazing love. That's why for the last few hundred years, Christians have been singing, my song is love unknown. My saviour's love for me. Love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. I'm told we're meant to sing that every Good Friday. I'm sure that's true in churches since the late 1600s when that hymn was written. And that's the logic of the cross. It's love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be, that they might be included into his love and his life. It's not love shown to those who have made themselves lovable. It's not love shown to those who have cleaned themselves up and brought themselves back. It's love to the loveless, love to the enemies, love to the rebels who have rejected that love. And yet God has come in the person of his son to bring us back, to fill us with that love, that we might love him and love one another. So it's a love that originates in God. It is grounded in the cross. And thirdly, love is completed in the church. Have a look at verse 11. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? And again, you've got John's Gospel echoing in the background. No one has ever seen God, John chapter 1. How does that finish? But God, the one and only, who's from the Father's side, has made God known. The invisible God has made himself known in the person of his Son. The invisible God has made himself visible in history, in the person of Jesus. And miraculously... And marvelously and staggeringly, the invisible God says, I will continue to make myself visible. How? In the love that you have for one another. It is completed in the church. The Apostle writes for a second time, Dear friends, Let us love one another. This is the affectionate application of the cross of Christ. And can I say that if this series has seemed too dense and too dry for you, then please forgive me. Because the cross is the affectionate centre of the heart of God for a lost and rebellious world. The cross is the clearest and most extraordinary display of the heart of God towards our broken and deeply marred by our rebellion world. 
And the extraordinary claim here is that the eternal loop of love is completed, it is perfected, it is made visible in this world, in the church, where God's people show the same kind of love that God has shown them. And what a marvellous evangelistic strategy it is. God creating a community of love where the invisible God is tangibly and compellingly visible in the love that his people have for one another. In the way that lost and rebellious people come to find welcome and forgiveness and belonging and eternal life in the midst of a community of genuine if imperfect love. This was the command of Jesus, wasn't it, on the night before he died? With the cross looming large in front of him, he said that the world would know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. And again, Jesus gives that love texture and he gives it flavour and he gives it, gives it depth and he gives it meaning when he then stoops to wash his disciples' feet. And he stoops even lower to die on the cross in their place. But here's the caution. The caution that Jesus gives in John 13 is that unless he washes you, you can have no part of him. When he says to his disciples, I have given you this example that you were to follow, just as I have washed your feet, so you are to wash each other's feet, he also gives them the caution. This isn't just an empty example to go and follow in your own steam and your own power. Jesus says, unless I have washed you, you can have no part of me. You cannot follow my example without me being your saviour. People want the cross to start and finish as an example of love. And yet Jesus says, unless he washes you before you do anything, you cannot be part of him. You cannot have the example of Jesus without Jesus being your saviour. He doesn't let you. Mahatma Gandhi says this in his autobiography about the example of Jesus. He says, if Jesus was like God or God himself, then all men are like God and could be God himself. My reason was not ready to believe literally that Jesus by his death and by his blood redeemed the sins of the world. Metaphorically, there might be some truth in it. I could accept Jesus as a martyr, as an embodiment of sacrifice, as a divine teacher, but not as the most perfect man ever born. His death on the cross was a great example to the world. 
but that there was anything like a mysterious or miraculous virtue in it, my heart could not accept, writes Gandhi. And many have taken that view. But at the cross there is a great example of love that I am to seek to emulate with all the energy that I can muster but with a refusal to come to the cross of Jesus to find salvation and eternal life. Jesus doesn't let you take him as an example without taking him as a saviour. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no part of me. Unless I die for you, you cannot live with me. Unless the cross sacrificially takes your sin, then you are permanently cut off from that eternal loop of loving life that Jesus died so that you can share in. It would make no sense to seek to love like Jesus loves under our own steam and by our own strength. Cannot do it. I tell you, my reservoir of love is far too shallow. I have a hard enough time loving the people I love most in this world, let alone loving my enemies. Or loving you, Lord. I couldn't do it. Under what I can muster from my own reservoir of love. And so in a series on the cross, we can't possibly come to the end and say, okay, folks, let's try harder. Like the Apostle John says, we call upon God who gives us his spirit, who pours his love into our hearts so that we might love by his power that comes through the cross of Jesus, that we might continue to love like he loves because he first loved us. And so when your reservoir of love feels like it's running on empty and the warning light is flashing, where do you look? But to the cross of Jesus. Where we acknowledge our own sin and our own failings, where we call upon his spirit. that we might love like Jesus loves through the life that God gives. A couple of years ago, we had our Easter Thursday church family dinner. And there was all kinds of examples from that night of people loving one another sacrificially as we reflected on the cross together. One of our guests, who's not a regular at church, had something that can only be called a disaster in the bathroom. 
that left us with poo everywhere. Everywhere. The poor person. They must have been devastated. And as everyone cleaned up and went home, one person stayed, got gloves and a bucket. And not for praise and not for payment, just quietly went and cleaned the disaster up. How fitting on Maundy Thursday, the night before Good Friday, reflecting on that night when Jesus stooped to wash his disciples' feet, that this Christian person, whose name I won't mention, took up a bucket and rubber gloves and for love of Jesus and his people cleaned for us. It's just one example. The love of God in Christ cannot help but turn you away from yourself share and to speak, to walk in and to serve with the sacrificial and other person-centred love with which we have been loved, with an everlasting love. And so if we're to love one another because he first loved us, our love will be gracious not for our interest or gain. Our loving will be sacrificial in a way that gives ourselves up. Our love will be forgiving, overlooking slights and disappointments and dealing with issues together. Our love will be redemptive, seeking to bring, God, seeking to bring God's good to a broken world. Our love will be reconciling, seeking to align our hearts and our relationships under the loving rule of our Saviour Christ. If we want Jesus to be our example, then we need to let him be our example. But first we need to let him be our Saviour. And only then should we stoop and sacrifice and serve, knowing that we only love because he first loved us. Dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love will be made complete in us. Lord, please do it. For Jesus' sake. Amen.